For as lightning cometh out of the east, and appeareth even into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. For as lightning cometh out of the east, and appeareth even into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. These are both at the same time mysterious and beautiful words of today's gospel. They mean essentially this, our Lord is speaking here, my advent, my judgment, will appear like the lightning because it will be sudden, unexpected, clear for all to see, glorious and mighty, and it will take, the place, take place in the air in plain view of all. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. What is this sign? Well, of course, it's the cross. And why will this sign appear? Multiple reasons are given, but I'll only mention two. First, it will appear to show that Christ, by his cross, merited this judicial power to judge all men at the end of time. And secondly, to show that Christ was crucified for the salvation of all men and that those men are ungrateful and without excuse who have wasted so precious a grace. But more on this later. This is not a sermon on the end of times, although it is important to know the signs that precede it. I've noticed that most often the people really love those sermons on the end times, but I'm afraid more out of curiosity than of anything else. Just as certainly as the end times will come, so also, and never forget it, will the end of your time. One day will be your last. Each of us might say to himself today, it is possible that death may strike me in the very place where I am. It is possible that death will interrupt the very act in which I am engaged. There will be a day in which we will not see the night, and perhaps a night in which we will not see the day. How quickly it happened to St. Andrew Avellino. We had his feast day earlier this month. He just went up to the altar and began the prayers at the foot of the altar when suddenly he had a stroke and fell over backwards. Well, he never saw the end of that day. Now, many will think that a sermon on such things as death is only meant to scare people. Well, not this one, no. It is to bring back to our ever-distracted minds a reality which each one of us must face. Life is or should be a continuous preparation for that hour of death which is inescapable. And so the thought of death, at least in this sermon, is meant to be salutary, 
It should motivate us to good works, to a better life, not to morbidity or a sterile depression. Do you know that St. Peter of Alexandria, one of the saints that we commemorate today, he lived in times of great persecution, and his flock always had death hanging over their head. And he always told them, frequently told them, my dear flock, in order not to fear death, it is necessary to begin by dying to oneself, renouncing our will and detaching ourselves from all things. Saint Sylvester, the other saint whom we commemorate today, was once attending a funeral of a relative of his, and this relative was, they say, unusually handsome. But when Saint Sylvester looked into the open coffin, he saw the body deformed. And he said famously, and these are words to remember, what this man was, I am now, and what he is now, I shall soon be. He then, upon leaving that morning, he stumbled upon the words of Christ, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And it was the thought of death, the vision of death, that made him lead a more perfect life. Now, with death, there comes a certain natural fear, the thought of the soul leaving the body and leaving it lifeless. There is a fear here because simply we have not ever experienced it before and we will only go through it one time. Well, then there is the fear of those who are presently living a life of sin, of those who love some creature, some person or thing, more than they love God. These souls have reason to fear death. But in this case, there is only one thing to do if you don't want to fear death any longer, to give up, to cut out of your life that thing or that person which you love more than God and which robs your soul of God's friendship. And then humbly go confess your sins. And once this is done, there is no more reason to fear death. You'll be able to face the thought of death with peace of heart because, and these are some, some of the best words in all of the sacred liturgy, because for thy faithful, O Lord, life is only changed, not taken away. And this life gives way to a better one if we persevere to the end. Then there is a third class of souls, those who are in the state of grace, but who look upon their past life with worry and fear. To these souls, St. Francis de Sales has perfect advice. He said, I have committed many faults, it is true, but where is this foolish person 
who would dare to think it in his power to commit more than God could forgive? And who will dare to measure by the greatness of his own crimes the immensity of that infinite mercy which casts them all into the depths of the sea of oblivion when we repent of them with love? It belongs only to madmen like Cain to say that their sin is too great to be forgiven because with the Lord there is mercy and with him plentiful redemption. Now, back to the cross from the beginning of the sermon. Our Savior died for all men. He prayed for all men. He offered his sufferings and death for all men. He merited for all men the strength required in the fight for our salvation. But Christ has no need of his own merits. So what he has done is this. He has handed all of his merits over to us in such a way that now they belong to us. They are our possession. And if we offer these merits to the Heavenly Father, then we will always obtain the help of God against all the enemies of salvation. Someone might ask this, how can Jesus look at me favorably after I have committed so many and so horrible sins? How can he possibly still intercede for an enemy who has so long and so shamefully betrayed him? The response is this. How can a well-instructed Catholic even ask such a question? It is utterly ridiculous. Do you doubt the doctrine of Christ's mercy? Do you doubt the doctrine of uh, the sacrament of penance? The sinner, no matter how terrible a life he has led or is living, will never be turned away from God if he sincerely asks for pardon. As it says in the gospel today, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. His promise, promises concern sinners. Ask yourself this and meditate on this. Would Christ have suffered? Would Christ have died on the cross if there had been no sinner, if there was no one upon whom to shower his mercy? Could there be a crime worse than that of Judas? Someone once asked St. Jerome. Jerome answered, yes, there is a still more monstrous crime than that of Judas, namely that of despair. Judas sinned more deeply in killing himself than in betraying his divine master. When we look at ourselves and all of our sin, everything in us calls for the just punishment of our offenses. But when the Heavenly Father looks upon his Son on the cross, everything calls for mercy. We have the merits of Christ's passion 
in our hands. We have them at our beck and call. Use them fruitfully. What are these merits? And how can we use them? Well, they're contained in the seven sacraments. Every time that you go to Mass, all the merits of the Passion of Christ are applied to your soul. Every time that you go to confession, all the merits of the precious blood of our Lord are applied to your soul. And every communion and every other sacrament as well. And then we have our private devotions. Never forget in your daily prayers to offer Christ's merits to his Father, saying, Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of Jesus Christ in atonement for my sins and for the grace of a happy death. This is an easy way to cleanse the soul and to be ready for death. So, whether your life comes to an end as suddenly as a flash of lightning in a dark, stormy sky, or slowly, with time to prepare yourself, you'll always be ready. And you'll, you can say with St. Gertrude, our lovely patroness, I trust, O Lord, in whatever manner I might die, whether suddenly or over time, that I shall not be deprived of the mercy of my God. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.